welcome. Yeah, we're recording. I've done that more than once where we're not recording for like five minutes before I realize it. Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. Things are a little different around here today. Kind of weird, but pretty cool. Always. A little change of pace around here, which we will explain momentarily. Um, Eric, is there an ad on this one? No. No ads. We're not going to bother you with that. I'm Nick Jimenez, Senior Editor of Cigar Snob Magazine. and We are joined by three guests who um, you have not heard on the podcast before. However, readers, and so I'll start with Frank, may be familiar, longtime readers, may be familiar with Frank Baruti. Uh, Frank, let me. How, you wanted me to introduce you as a collector of the strange, weird, and wonderful, which is pretty cool, and I wish people called me that. Um, <laughs> but readers may remember Frank Baruti from... A, uh, a travel story that we did on Miami Beach. Um, I'll, I'll let you explain a bit about uh, what the what your business is in Miami Beach, because I'm sure would do a better job of articulating that than I would, but say hello to the people and let us know uh, what you're up to. Hello, smokers and uh, cigar aficionados. Frank Baruti here. Yeah, they, uh, the boys did a great article um, a while back about uh, my collection of uh, vintage and pre-embargo uh, cigars, pre-prohibition whiskeys, pre uh, pre-Castro rums, and uh, the the weird, vintage, and wonderful collectible world of things that I deal with. In Miami, uh, there's a few retailers that um, that uh, do uh, a significant job. Yeah, come, um, come come up to the mic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Fountain Blue and Red, the Steakhouse, and other other names that uh, have a collection of the cigars as well as the uh, the vintage spirits that I really have been into for yeah. the last about 30 years. Good stuff. And so before we move on to the other two introductions, tell us, uh, well, tell yeah, tell us, but also the people listening, what we're smoking, because this is a special treat that we have here. Well, right now we've got a, our uh, lips wrapped around a, a special El Premio de Cuba, a little vintage box here from the 1910s to 20s. And uh, it's a little Perfecto that's probably about four inches by about a 40, I would say. And, where's where's uh, Ivan with the horn when you need him? And <laughs> box pressed um, beyond belief. And uh, I think we're all looking at each other, kind of rolling our eyes, saying, really? A hundred-year-old cigar? Yeah. And I'm getting this much out of it? It's wild. So we're uh, all jacked up to see how that pairs with some very, very special teas that uh, we're about to tell you about. Yeah, no, it is, it's a wild experience getting, like you said, this much out of a century-old cigar that feels a little crazy. Um, okay, so uh, Frank was, I guess, I, yeah, I introduced the two of you. Yeah, yeah. You so, did, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we are here with uh, past uh, podcast guest. More than one time? One time. One time. We, we did a, a joint podcast uh, where we did the, the tea time with Mike and Mike and Cigar Snob right. two in one. That's right. That's right. So, so yes and no. So yes and no. Right. Uh, so yes, we have shared podcasts. We have shared cigars. We've shared tea. We share a friendship. And now we're sharing a microphone. I, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually crying and uh, enjoying your warmth mm. and your aroma. I can feel your breath. <laughs> and we'll have fun, man. And we'll have fun with, with the breath. Uh, so, uh, Mike, for those who are not aware uh, from past podcasts, is the uh, the founder. And you have another title you like to give yourself at JoJo? Um, the founder and the CEO. Oh, founder and CEO. Get yeah. out of here. 
of Jojo T. He was also just written up uh, in Thrillist in an article that I am told by Mike was very flattering. I haven't read it. I'll be the judge of that later. <laughs> but for now, we'll go with his version of the story where it makes him look super cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's very exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, they did a, like a profile because there's a competition called the T-Masters Cup. And it's an international competition where uh, 24 different countries are competing. And uh, this is the first year ever that America competes. And I got foolishly lucky enough to win the American championship at the World Tea Expo. Yeah. So uh, in uh, November, December, uh, like late November, early December, I'm going to Shanghai for the world championship. <laughs> That's wild. Man. And, uh, and now I'm the American tea master. I may be over there. That's a very big deal. have to drop in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, That's crazy, man. man. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do the third and final introduction here because we have uh, Cooney. And I will let you introduce Cooney uh, because you'll obviously do a better job than I would. Kunikazu Mochitani from Kikugawa in Shizuoka Prefecture. Kuni uh, is a matcha producer. And, uh, uh, well, actually, say hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm uh, very, very glad to be uh, smoking the cigar with the American tea master today. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Who knew this was where life would take well, you? Oh, you know... Never known, right? <laughs> Cooney was with me in Vegas when I won. And we would go out to restaurants together. <laughs> Cooney would say, oh, did you, Cooney would say to the waitress, did you know that this is the American tea master? And we would just laugh our asses off like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> yeah, we did that for a week. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so Cooney is actually in the States. Uh, he's on a tour. He, he was already in Portland and Seattle in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, and specifically, um, there is a, uh, so to make matcha, you need to ground, you need to grind green tea. The green tea is harvested in spring, and then aged until it's ground right around this time of the year. Yes. So, yeah, so, yeah, I, I am on the tour called Kuchikiri. It's a moment in the saddle that a new matcha tea is released. So, I'm, I'm, on the tour right now started from the uh, Vancouver Canada and then uh, had a festival in Northwest Festival in Seattle uh, actually coming down all the way to uh, Los Angeles and uh, we had like uh, several stops and yeah right now here in Miami was Jojo T and uh, he didn't you know announce this moment till you know, hour ago, <laughs> and I am enjoying a moment right now. So uh, I think that for for a lot of, um, especially for a lot of Americans, and you could speak. Maybe we'll get into later how much this is changing or not. But you know, so so much of the tea world is yes. sort of uh, is is sort of unknown or foreign. Or mm-hmm. talk talk a bit about what your path was mm-hmm. to your current work. How did you end up doing what you do? Well, uh, actually, I didn't grow up in the, you know, the farm or the tea. I, I was uh, grown up in a city life and uh, city in Osaka, which is no farm, uh, you know, tall buildings. But uh, uh, I lived in Tokyo uh, from the, I think, back in end of the 80s, uh, early 90s until now. And then six years ago, uh, the nuclear 
uh, you know, the accident of right. the, you know, the tsunami hit, and then the nuclear power sites got, you know, destroyed, and that's the moment I was, you know, uh, thinking something we could do, and then found the uh, alternative uh, resource was the, you know, this uh, renewable energy. So I was look, finding this area of the renewable energy, like solar panels to store, and then I found out that the uh, farmland is the most renewable energy located area. And then, you know, the, to share the sunlight together with the plants grow, it's, uh, you know, the matcha or the, this tea was the best combination. And then the, we're, yeah, we, we've been working out this for seven years right now. Yeah, and I want to, I wanna, to, to jump in. So in order to, like, the reason that matcha is so bright green, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a, a cup of matcha, but it's like bright, bright, bright green. And the reason traditionally that it's so green is that the matcha is, the, the tea bushes are shade grown if you're going to make matcha. And uh, Kuni is uh, doing a really interesting project where they're shading the tea bushes with solar panels. They're generating all of the electricity for the production and the, and the processing of the tea through those solar panels. And it's also shading the, the bushes. So it's a very uh, interesting project focused on small farms that we think is uh, fascinating, you know. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you can try his tea at, uh, at all, all of the Panther Coffees use uh, Kuni's tea for their matcha lattes. Um, among a few other accounts, but I know that Panther is the most uh, prolific. So you touched a little bit on, well, um, before we get into what we're drinking now, you mentioned the shade grown thing. Um, Mike, you've been getting deeper into cigars over the course of, what do you think, like last year, maybe, mm-hmm. give or take? Realist, I, I, truthful, I'm, I, and I apologize to, to you uh, seasoned listeners, but I'm like a baby. I've, I've been drinking, I've been smoking cigars, like, you know, consciously, only since February. But you're a fast-growing baby. Oh, well, you, thank you, bro. You're a, you're a, you're a heavy baby. <laughs> yeah, they, they gave me human growth hormones or something. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you're, because you do what you do, it's like if a chef had started uh, smoking cigars mm-hmm. inside of the last year and actually made it a point to, to take as deep a dive as you could. The fact that your palate was already sort of trained, it's not like just any person off the street started smoking cigars casually you've really like the last year you've packed a lot of cigar learning yeah well i mean uh, like truthfully and like uh frank i'm gonna blow you up a little bit man like uh it's only because of the generosity of like my the people i consider my teachers you know you are somebody i consider my teacher in cigars you know what i mean i like every conversation that we have you know i'm all if i try something new i reach out to you hey look i'm having this way i'm thinking like this it tastes like this whatever you know, Tim, who was the guy that first, Tim Suit in uh, in New York, was the first guy that really got me into cigars. And you too, Nick. You know, I see you like a like a teacher in cigars, and I come and I come. That's, that's too much. Well, no, it's the truth, man. I come to you with with questions. With you know, uh, I think that like as as something with the history and the uh, think about how many brands of cigars there are. It's impossible to smoke them all. It's impossible to know them all. So if if we can't humble ourselves enough to ask questions and to learn. 
then it's going to be an uphill battle for the rest of our life where we're going to be grabbing at shit in the dark. And every time that we catch something that we like, we're not going to know enough about how to replicate right. it. You know? But you were asking really good questions from the beginning, so it made me interested enough to put together a few little sample packages. And that's it's just like a wine tasting. No, you're, you're not going to learn wine without tasting wine. You're not going to learn cigars without tasting cigars. So yeah, and tea, you, you don't get like same the, deal. Yeah, the the lesson is just the water and the leaf and the and the flavor. You know, there's no teacher like drinking the tea. There's no teacher like smoking the cigar. You know. So so we may get deeper into this in like the broad strokes, but you know. And, and Frank, how, how much were you into tea before coming into contact with? I've Mike? been going to Southeast Asia for okay. twenty years, so, so I know. I know enough to be dangerous, yeah. basically. So just but I'm going to learn more today. I, yeah. can, I can feel it. So just by way of, of example, um, you know, uh, let's sort of home in. Just to give people who are listening a sense, because one of the things when I started, you know, and I'm not going to say that I have taken the dive into tea that you have into cigars. Um, but when I do talk tea with you or hear about tea from you, because I don't really have much to contribute, um, I am always struck by how similar the processes are. Uh, so talk a bit about, for example, uh, what the significance is of a tea being sun-grown. Because people who consume cigars have a good sense of like, okay, what does that mean when I'm picking up a sun-grown cigar? What does it mean in tea? Because I think people might be like surprised by how much similarity there is. Sure. Well, the, the shade-grown like uh, phenomenon in tea is really focused out of uh, Japan. Kuni, would you agree on that? Like, I only know of yes. Japan doing... Uh... But, but uh, you know, the technically doing the shading on the plantation, maybe uh, this is only in Japan, I think. Yeah. But the, some of the countries, like uh, uh, maybe... Uh, uh, I forgot... Korea, the, I bet the, Korea would do no, some shade. The, 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 the black tea, the, like uh, the... I don't know Assam, but they, you know they grow the you know tall tree inside mm. the the these uh, uh, plantation, which make the you know the the shading also. Yeah. So so it's it's but uh, but like so there's a because like a lot of Japanese bushes they'll cover the entire bushes in canvas or in solar panels mm-hmm. for example. In India they'll grow trees in between the tea bushes and it'll kind of scatter the sunlight. You don't get a complete shade, but you get some shade. Now. But no matter what, the shade is going to boost the chlorophyll of the plant. And it'll give it more amino acids. It'll make it a brighter green. It'll give it a lot more color because it needs to, it has a, it, since it's getting less sunlight, it needs to make more chlorophyll to get better use out of the little sunlight that it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the, that's the effect uh, that, that, that it's famous for, you know? So, um... Just to, to not neglect this, we talked about what we're smoking. Let's talk a bit about what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. And, then so, it, and it would be great if all three of you, once once we've heard about what we're drinking, I'd love to hear about all, from all three of you about what you're feeling about this pairing of the tea and the cigar. So um, what I wanted to bring for us to drink is kind of like a, our, I'd say it's our strongest performing raw pour. And uh, raw pu'er just means that it's uh, the same species of plant that we get white tea, green tea, black tea, and oolong tea from. But 99.9% of the world's teas come from clones. Uh, Pu'er must come exclusively from tea trees that were planted from seeds. Uh, Tea trees from seeds have a taproot and they can grow into a tree. 
the oldest tea tree is over 3,000 years old. And the tea from that tree is about 200,000 bucks a pound, fresh every year. So uh, the older the tree, the deeper the roots. The deeper the roots, the more minerals are getting into the leaf. The more mineral are in the leaf, the more it, it will balance out as the, as the years pass and the tannins break down. They'll combine with those minerals and create more complex chain sugars. So uh, what we're drinking today is a 2012 raw pour that's called Impression. It's a blend of three different growing regions, one called Linsang, one called Wuliang, and one called Sumao. And these, uh, the, the blend was formulated specifically to uh, gain complexity as it, as it ages. And we've been uh, selling it since 2014, and we love the way that it's aging. So we continue to, uh, to carry a small inventory of it and yeah. keep it aging in our warehouse. I thought that it would be a, like, it's a mellow pour. It's not a very aggressive flavor profile. I thought that it, I knew that if Frank was coming, we'd be having something creamy and beautiful and old yeah i, I didn't know it would be this old but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah you know I, I wanted to do something that would give us some of those like oaky notes some of those uh kind of figgy tobacco notes but without any uh aggression of a younger poor you yeah. know and uh so talk a bit frank about the about this pairing about and and even just more broadly like your experience um pairing tea and cigars because i think that may be uh, you know, you spend plenty of time around cigar smokers. It, it, people who know cigars, especially in the U.S., maybe don't know tea as well, and maybe that can be a little intimidating. So talk about, about, about this experience and maybe, like, broadly, how you might recommend people go about pairing these two things. Well, in general, my experience with tea isn't anything close to what it is with uh, old rums and old old whiskeys or, or wine. But um, I find that... Uh, that there's all kinds of teas, uh, you know, on the planet, like there's all kinds of, of uh, whiskeys and all kinds of, of uh, other spirits. But um, in this particular pairing, you know, this little cigar we have is, like we said, close to 100 years old. So it's, it's smooth, it's creamy, it's got a lot more flavor than we would have ever expected it to. And the tea that we're drinking is, starts off, in my, my palate, starts off really smooth, and and soft and then by the time it dissipates there's a little little bit of a an edge to it at the end that um that that comes back and works with the cigar very very well um if you want you don't want any pairing to have either the cigar or the or the beverage in this case tea just overpower the other and that that edge that I'm getting at the at the end of the tea is I don't know whether the the proper nomenclature, but uh, maybe a slight bitterness that ends up just coming back around and working with the cigar very very well. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, and and to me, I, I think the you know it, it's it's difficult to convey into a microphone how at least for me because you have a lot more experience with this, but how much of a gap there is between the expectation or what you're anticipating going into lighting a hundred year old cigar and what we're experiencing now. Um, Cause if you told me that this flavor, which is super, it, it's, it's, it's refined enough. It's, it's um, the complexity and, and all of those things are what you would imagine from all of that age. 
but it's just so much bigger than you expect. Yeah. And it and it hasn't lost that sort of like that sort of classic uh, Cuban esque uh, pungence. If that's well, even a word. Really interesting. The last up. the last hit I just had. Um, as we get down to the last uh, a little bit less than an inch, it has the same bitterness profile as the tea. Shocking. You guys are almost where I'm at with the cigar, and this little guy is loading up. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Eric, you found the same thing, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a shocker. Yeah. Well, the, the tea, what's interesting about tea, and that's important to know, is that the more tea you drink, the more the oils of the tea create layers on the tongue. So the more you drink one particular tea in one session, the more you'll taste it. So as we as uh, as I continue to refill and we continue to drink more and more tea, it'll create layers that will inform what the next puff will taste like, what the next sip will taste like, what the next breath will taste like, and yeah, so yeah. forth. Yeah, and it's 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 a very different experience from especially in Miami, because in Miami the custom is this Cuban coffee, which you're not going to have three and four and five cups of that coffee, and it's very quick. It's you know, um, so talk a bit about. Um, what, what is the, at the risk of sounding cheesy about it, just the, the ritual or the process of, of drinking tea? Because it's probably something that somebody who's not accustomed because they're, say, a coffee drinker. Yeah. There's like a whole other headspace, yeah. right, that you're putting yourself in if you're, if you're getting into it at home. Yeah, well, I, I, this is a, like, I'd like to talk with Kuni about this. Yeah. Because there's, there's the Japanese tea ceremony and the Japanese tea practice and the Chinese tea ceremony and the Chinese tea practice have a lot of difference. Yes, yeah, but uh, basically the same thing is how to enjoy it. So the tea in Japan, the you know, tea was brought from China 1,200 years ago. And, you know, it, it was uh, like a more medical use, like a medicine. But, you know, how to... Uh, the uh, drink tea has evaluated and in the way of the drinking how to grow tea it's it becomes a culture in each country where the tea travels so we're babies here we're trying to discover our american tea culture well you know, you know it's i, I trying see to make something. tea great again well <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah. it's well gonna, it's gonna be huge yeah. i see the tea over here right now you know it, we're kind of discovering the new thing. It's like how uh, Americans enjoy a tea. It's you know the like a small cup like this to you know share the cups, and then you know keep changing the you know flavors and the different materials. This is very new, yeah. you know, new way of drinking and you know the jo joy of the tea. So like and then you know cigar and the tea really works well. And then you know this is a new discovery again. Mm. Like, yeah, so, so many things still undiscovered. And then, like, America is creating the, you know, their own its culture. Like, that tea is new thing, but, uh, you know, the younger ones, are how, you know, they are enjoying. And then, we don't do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's impressive that, you know, the people are really actually tasting it like a wine. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Uh, for Japanese, like tea is like welcome drink in every restaurant, comes out free, and you know no Japanese appreciate for those kind of thing. It's welcoming tea is supposed to be the 
you know, like a welcoming. So people, the guest has to be appreciate on those things, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a different, you know, very, very different. Yeah, yeah.、Mm-hmm. The, uh, like, uh, the, the, the tea ceremony and the tea practice that I was introduced to, I was introduced by a Taiwanese、uh, Buddhist teacher. And around the 70s and 80s,、uh, tea. Took on a very important place in Taiwanese culture. I mean, it had always been important, but、uh, especially starting in the 1850s. But by the 1970s, Taiwanese tea、uh, started to、uh, revolve around the practice of meditation in, in temples and Qigong centers in particular. Yeah. Eric, do you want to just grab? For, this is a very loosey goosey podcast. You want to just、uh, grab、uh, the mic for a second? I, just, I think it's funny that, or not funny, but I think it's interesting how the Japanese、uh, treat tea similarly to how us Cubans treat cigars. Oh, yeah. Right? So it took the American market and their appreciation for cigars and reverence for it、mm-hmm. to kind of show Cubans again how, how much how、uh, you can、yeah, how how appreciate this, kind of like the way we enjoy wine and things of that nature,、mm-hmm. like you said. And so I, I think it's interesting that even more parallels between the tea industry and the cigar industry.、Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so I, th- I thought that was striking as you were talking about it.、Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, man, this is exactly the way that, like for, for Cubans, cigars are an everyday item.、Mm-hmm. They're not, and when I say Cubans, I'm also talking about Cuban Americans, right? Mostly I'm talking about Cuban Americans. Cubans in Cuba don't have the right to do a lot of things. So,、uh, but the way that we treat cigars. It's an, every, it's an everyday item.、Mm-hmm. It isn't anything to be revered. And so、uh, when you go to a, a cigar event here in Miami,、mm-hmm. which is full of Cuban Americans, they don't revere the cigar the way that they would if you go to a cigar event in, say, Omaha, Nebraska.、Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they would,、sense. you know, Carlito Fuente walks into a, an event, or Rocky Patel walks into an event in one of these other cities, and they're a rock star. They walk into an event here in Miami. And it's like, hey, yeah, this guy's like my uncle.、Yeah. You know, it's like, it's no big deal. So, so it's interesting that, that there is that similarity. So I'll get back off the mic again. Get out of here. Get, get out of here. <laughs> well, I think it's time. We're just about nubbing these. So I'm going to pass out another little cigar that、mm-hmm. could be a shocker. This one's called a Broadway Sweeper. That、um, comes in a, a box, a master box of 100. And I smoked like、uh, about 80 of them. And、uh, also very close to a 100 year old cigar that. Comes with a shaggy end. Like, this is the original shaggy, which is an unfinished end that、uh, looks like the end of a, a broom, which is why they call it a Broadway sweeper. So,、um, I, I'm, I'm taking my sweet time with this first cigar.、So. Yeah, no, no, you guys finish <laughs> yeah, what yeah, you yeah. want. But, but I'm, I'm、uh, looking forward at, to this too. But,、uh, Dude, this thing is very, very unusual. Also, a box pressed,、mm-hmm. and、uh, it's the only box I've ever seen. And I've had that box for over 20 years. Amazing. And、uh, it'll be interesting to see what you guys think of that. Frank, thank you so much for、oh, sharing these. No, you, you bet. Fun stuff. Oh, thank you.、Um, and are these okay to light with a soft flame or a torch or whatever? Yeah,、uh, either one, really, because、uh, you're not going to end up getting any smoke out of the unfinished end. Some people would cut it off. I want to get every, every quarter inch of this thing. So、right. yeah, I light it just the way it is. And at first, it'll be very, very light because you won't get a, the condensed、uh, smoke、From、because the wrapper、uh, the, the doesn't go around it. But、um, it'll start it off, and the ashes might drop on you and, and、uh, burn your pants. So watch out for that. 
heard that. <laughs> so as, as long as we're on the subject of these uh, pre-embargo cigars, Frank, talk a bit about um, the humidors that you stock in the U.S. Because I, I imagine a lot of our listeners probably walk by some stuff that has passed through your hands on a somewhat frequent basis and yeah. may not realize that, you know, that there's that connection. You mean the humidors? You like for, for example, um, when, when we met, it was because we were um, over at Stripsteak. Right. Um, so, hum- ah. yeah, yeah. So the, the places that people might come across cigars that at some point came through you. Right. Um, Just, you know, because they're, they're hearing all about this, I'm sure some, somebody must be thinking, I want to go have an experience like that. Right. Where might they go? Probably the, the, the coolest location that I can think of in Miami would be one of the most revered places but in Miami. Any, but anywhere it's, else, too, because we got, yeah. we're, we're a big deal. Very, very, uh, you know, the Fairmont in San Francisco or or the, here in Miami, the, the Fountain Blue in Strip Steak. If you go down and ask to see their, their uh, cigar collection, it's in the wine cellar. I custom built a, a monstrous humidor there that has pre-prohibition whiskey, it has uh, pre-Castro rum, but also has a facing of every major Cuban brand ever produced. Wow. And they're all pre-embargo cigars. They're all from the 30s, 40s, and 50s up to up to 61, which is when the embargo happened. Yeah. But you'll see Partagas and uh, La Gloria Cubana. You'll see, you know, you'll I, see Romeo and Julietas. You'll see Monte Cristos that you've never seen before anywhere. I heard and, that. I heard that when the embargo happened, that JFK like cleared Washington D.C. of every H. Upman. Yeah, that, he he had a particular small small size, uh, and he bought. I think the number is two or three thousand of them. Yeah, and and then the embargo kicked in. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, love it. I, I you know what I love is every time that I've ever mentioned H. Upman in front of any of my family, they all laugh and they say, "Ah, see, 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 H. Upman." H. Upman, yeah. So the H H. Upman is a Cuban brand. Uh huh. In Spanish, it's pronounced H. Upman. Okay. But it's uh, some German uh, banker. His name was uh, Herbert uh, Upman or something. That's right. Uh, so, Cooney, talk a little bit about uh, what brought you to the States on this trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, this is... Uh, we harvest the tea at the springtime. For matcha, we uh, uh, vacuum sealed the you know dried leaf and uh, store it for until the autumn comes. This is the process of aging. So uh, we age tea and uh, open the uh, and start milling. It's, it's in the autumn. So the new year of the tea, the matcha tea, is always appears in the autumn time. And I, I wanted to share this moment uh, to the American tea lovers. So I brought this stone mill and uh, new leaves from the 2019, and then, you know, milling all the way, you know, each stops, and then uh, different kind of the, you know, the tree cultivars, and then, you know, try tasting with sharing a moment together. And then everybody are pretty uh, 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 impressed that the, you know, the actual, uh, the cultivars have the different kind of taste. Yeah. So it's similar to the wine, like a Chardonnay or the Pinot Noir or th- those kind of the t- tree. The grape itself has a different kind of taste, right? So tea actually has those. It, I, I think the sh- cigars, this is a farm 
out product. So should be like this. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy it. Are there, are there different strands of the tobacco plant? That, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'd imagine so. But, uh, yeah. And the soil has a great effect. I bet, yeah. yeah. Weather condition, everything, right? Everything. Yeah, so, so you know, we have commonly here, like... Uh, what a year, what is, what's good, and those kind of things. But uh, most of the tea um, uh, are blended, and then we don't know where it's coming from, and then what's inside. But the, like a single cultivars are like a farm out, dialect out product. So we know who made it, and uh, how it has, you know, made, and what I've used in the plantation, uh, the year of the, you know, weather conditions, so all these are affecting to the taste, aroma, and everything. So I'm going to share this later on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's amazing the similarity of, of mm-hmm. wine, cigars, and tea. Yeah. They're all terroir-based. They're all natural products. Mm-hmm. And, and in, the, in the wine world, now it's like, oh, let's, let's only make a single vineyard terroir-driven, and let's talk and get behind the actual soil. So yeah. that expression is... You know, you can define it. Mm-hmm. Same with the, the puro tobaccos. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, and then obviously there's a, you know, a lot of companies out there that are mixing all different countries of the mm-hmm. tobacco. Mm-hmm. And the blending process is a lot of fun, too, because then you can fill holes and gaps yeah. where you think uh, it needs to be filled. And I we do that in the wine world as well. And, I, and that's what you're talking about in the tea, in the tea planet as well. Yes, exactly. So... Um, Mike, talk a little bit more uh, about that competition, because I think that's also something that you know we touched on very lightly, but I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people are thinking, like, what does a tea competition look like? How does that even work? So talk a bit about, like, what happens? Yeah. How, how does, what does one have to do to become the tea master? So, like, the, uh, first off, like, just a... Uh, like the only people that that were uh, involved in the competition was kind of like a tea industry uh, people, you know, people that have been in the tea industry for a while, and like people that are deep into the tea American tea culture, let's say. Um, and basically, so you, I had to bring my own tea and my own teaware. I brought some pots from a, a ceramic studio based out of Taipei called Lin Ceramics. That their work is amazing. They've been in, they've been making ceramics for tea since 1983, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to brew your own tea with your own teaware, and then about an hour before you go up, they give you a, a selection of five teas, and you have to pick one of the five teas, and then you uh, you brew. So you brew your tea and your teaware, and then you brew their tea and their teaware, and. Uh, uh, when I when they lifted when they listed the five teas, I, the the tea that I had uh, chosen to present is a tea called Jade Mountain, that it grows about two thousand meters above sea level. It's a really thick kind of like a oily mouthfeel flavor profile, like uh, uh, peaches and apricots and gardenias and carnations. And um, I knew that that tea was very thick, but then uh, I saw that one of the five teas that they offered was something called uh, Ruby Eighteen. Ruby 18 is a black tea that's dehydrated instead of being baked, so the sugars aren't caramelized. So the flavor profile is kind of like you get the same tanginess of a black tea, but you don't get the same thickness. So it's like a, I thought that it would be an interesting opportunity to kind of cut through the the oily mouthfeel of my tea. 
and uh, and I grabbed a handful of the tea and ate it behind the judge's table. And I saw, okay, this has like once because you could take tea leaves, especially if they're oxidized tea leaves, like oolong or black tea, and you can chew them. And when your saliva mixes with it, it'll release all those caramelized sugars into your mouth. And you can get a sense of what direction that tea is going to go in. Well, that's really interesting. So it was fun because when they presented all the teas, all of the other uh, contestants brought out their scales and their timers and their thermometers. And I just walked up and grabbed a handful of the tea and threw it in my mouth. And I was like, yeah, I want that one. And then I left it. <laughs> that's what, that's like what that. rock stars do. <laughs> Everyone was like, what? <laughs> But and in fact, so I I um, I went ahead and went up. Uh, you know, I gave the presentation. You get judged on your presentation of the tea, on your brewing technique of the tea, and then on the flavor profile, the aromatic profile, and the aftertaste. So I went up. I did my whole presentation, and then I walked outside and smoked a cigar while the rest of the contestants did their thing. And then I went up, and the judge. Uh, This is the American championship, you know, for the whole country. Uh, But the judge was a Russian guy, and I couldn't really understand him. And he was talking. He's like, okay, so we uh, announce uh, today uh, the winner, Michael Ortiz. uh, And and it went right over my head. And I was just, like, looking at him, smiling like a big dork. And he's like, and then he got, like, upset, and he points to me, and he goes, okay, so you, you come. Uh, yeah, man. But uh, it, it it was uh it was it was, you know to, to this day to think about it you know I've been brewing tea down here in Miami at the corner of the U.S. for the past uh, like ten years now you know yeah and to see like the entire American tea community you know so many people that I really admire are reaching out and saying oh best of luck you know we we can't imagine anybody better to go represent the U.S. it's incredibly humbling you know it's amazing I can't wait. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, Cooney, talk a bit about um, your experience with tea drinkers or enthusiasts or whatever we may call them here in the U.S. And also, I'm curious, I think especially, again, there's so many parallels with the with the cigar world. There are a lot of stories in cigars, um, especially during that period of the of the 90s when there was that boom of cigars, of non-Cubans and, and non-people uh, uh, who didn't have a cultural tie to mm-hmm. tobacco entering into that world and having to sort of earn the respect of people who were sort of generations deep, whether in their own families or just in their own, you know, cultural or national heritage. Talk a bit about what it's like for you seeing someone like this weirdo uh, entering entering this world. Yeah, American and, tea master. And becoming, an, and becoming a tea master. And becoming a tea master. And, you know, because uh, uh, I think that's a very interesting thing. And I see, a par- I see parallels there with the stories of so many people in cigars. Okay, first of all, I'm really glad with being the, uh, with this American tea master today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then, uh, yes, the, uh, I've been coming back here since, uh, 2013, 2014, uh, for this, uh, uh, tea marketing and then the you know the basically about matcha tea for me but I'm kind of like learning more from American people about this Chinese tea black tea you know the tea from the all over the world this is like a you know like a, a cultural exchange and then uh, we have all those things in Japan also but different 
type of the joy we have. Like uh, the black tea, basically we drink at the uh, ca- cafe. Wakocha. Wakocha. No. <laughs> no. I thought wakocha was Japanese black tea. No. Kocha, kocha. Oh, no, oh, wa kocha. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. yes. Wa is a, you know, basically like a, a Japanese keyword. Like, you know, the everything. Uh, uh, wahu is like, you know, two kanji character of the uh, wa is like basically like a Japanese. Okay. And the hu is written the kanji character of the wind. Okay. So wahu is like, you know, the Japanese wind. I it's see. it's like a, you know the uh, like a Japanese style. So wakocha literally wa means kocha, Japanese yeah. black tea. So kocha is a black tea, uh-huh. and a wa is a Jap- Japan you know symbol in the Japan. So yeah, that, that's make like a wakocha, right? I see. And then you know the uh, the farmers are struggling in Japan because uh, you know the tea uh, consumption per family are dropping. You know appearance of the many other drinks. Like coffee, uh, Coca Cola, and you know so so many kind of the drinks of appeared after the eighties, and then the you know basically like a tea, you know uh, who are drinking you know every day have dropped, like younger one is not even having a, you know this uh, you know kettle pottery at house, so it's. It's coming different, you know. Tea consumption are growing here. Yeah. Japan is dropping. Amazing. Yeah. So. Same you know, in like Taiwan and China. A lot of the young people, mm-hmm. they're not really drinking tea. They don't really care about tea. You know what I mean? Is it because their attention is on other products, maybe, or they want a moe? <coughs> oh. Okay. They want a krug. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the you know tea is. Uh, it's like a really luxury thing in the beginning and it became to the commoner thing. Uh, you know, there's a history on it. So, you know, the commoner thing is like, like you know, uh, style of the, you know, tea treating, like, a, you know, like a saddle mm-hmm. uh, class, like ceremony. You have to know on both sides, guests have thought so much deeper to welcoming a guest at one moment. It's called Ichigo Ichie. Mm. It's like a one lifetime moment. You know, this cup of tea could be like that. I, so I, I, I want to add, like, because a lot of you, might, a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with uh, Japanese tea ceremony. Japanese tea ceremony can be three hours long, and you only drink tea for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But uh, it, it was like in its current, the the, the kind of like Japanese tea sage was a man named Sen no Rikyu. Mm-hmm. And there's a famous story about Sen no Rikyu that uh, the shogun found out that the shogun was like the Japanese emperor kind of warlord figure. He wasn't the emperor, but he was uh, But he was at the end of the day who really ran the show. The shogun, uh, he found out about this guy doing tea ceremony. He says, oh, I want to go see what's up with it. He goes and he does the tea ceremony. At the end, he feels very focused and calm. And he thinks, huh. I want for my soldiers and my generals to do this before they go to war. So he asks Sen Norikyu to do a tea ceremony for his generals before they go to war. He does the Japanese tea ceremony for these generals and then they would go to war and die. And Sen Norikyu noticed, okay, these guys have never had tea before. Then they come to my tea ceremony. They have tea and then they go to war and die. How, how would you drink tea if each cup 
was the first cup that you've ever had and the last cup that you will ever have. And the Japanese tea ceremony is the answer to that question. I think it's it's amazing. It's amazing, but it's intense. Yeah. You know? No, and it's, uh, and, and it's all, I mean, it's a, it's a profound thing. And, and I think, you know, if, if we could convince people to smoke cigars that way. <laughs> right? so, but it's, it, it's also something that's almost inevitably lost over the generations because it's easier to approach it that way when it really might be the last exactly. one that you ever drink. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's difficult to just sort of force yourself into the headspace when you're, uh, you know. Hanging out at hanging Dolphin out, Mall. Hanging out at Dolphin Mall. That's <laughs> <laughs> Which our, our Miami listeners will get that reference. But if you've never been to Dolphin Mall when you're traveling to Miami, go to Dolphin Mall and just imagine you, that you are. That's your last, your Japanese first and your warrior. last time. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you go to Dolphin Mall if it was your first and last time at Dolphin Mall? Might you spend more time at the Sports Authority, <laughs> for example? There's um, no more Sports Authorities, right? There's, uh, now it's uh, Dick Sporting Goods. Yeah, 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 that's right. I, I thought maybe they were bringing back Sports Authority. But no, Toys R Us is what's making a comeback. Mm, are they? Yeah, oh, yeah. Thank God. Well, I thank they God. Went under. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost the end of an era. Um, so we are coming up on the end of the episode. Not that we have a hard stop, but here we want to start winding down because a four-person wind down can take a while. Well, if that's the case, then let's jump into the matcha. Sure, yeah. Wrap up. So, okay, all right. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. and we don't have a hard, hard stop, but okay. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and fill up the kettle with some more water. I'll mm-hmm. refill your cups on the pour, and then we'll have Cooney get to a okay, matcha sure. time. Yep. So, um, Cooney, t- talk a bit about you know if, if you don't mind while you, if it's not too much while you're prepping things. Talk a bit about uh, for the totally uninitiated about matcha, what separates it from other teas, uh, and anything that might be you know particular to your product. Okay. Well, the matcha tea is the oldest tea in Japan. And then the, you know, sencha tea, like a loose leaf tea, it's a newer thing uh, developed. Matcha tea was created in this form maybe like 400 years ago. And then the, uh, also I told you like 1,200 uh, years ago, the tea has brought to Japan by the temple monk. And then took 800 years to evaluate in, in the form like this for, you know, Japanese culture. And, you know, tea was the most expensive stuff in that time. The, like, a, you know, the shogun who owns the castle has uh, made a tea party called Chanoyu at those time of the moment and they're sharing the time with the tea. And then they said, you know, the one uh, pottery like size of this and it was worth the castle. So that expensive product. So no commoner are drinking at that time. And then the time passed and then in 200 years, maybe like, a, you know, Sencha tea has invented, you know, that the guy named, uh, uh, I, I believe, uh, Nagatani Soen was the guy who invented the loose leaf tea. And then the that, that loose leaf tea just means the tea that's not in a powder. It's the stuff yeah. that would then be ground into powder. Mm, yeah. So, so that that the form and the process has made is uh, totally different, oh. and then yeah, so the you know it's easier like pour the hot water and then, you know wait for a moment and then, you know steeps out, 
it's not like you know you need to grind it and, and you know then make it and, and you need you know a lot of tea wares it's it's more easier and this tea became the most exportable product in japan at that time uh silk and the loose leaf tea the kosencha was the one and then this matcha tea stayed in the you know high luxury people mm. and then now the loose leaf tea are dropping the consumptions and then the you know matcha tea were highlighted in the whole you know worldwide so you know this was focused and then we have to you know make more tea now but you know to make these are you know needs like a shade growing right? right so it's it's hard to make it and then you know the process is little hard so this is something special, you know, in Japan. Can you walk us through the process of well, exactly how do you make matcha? Well, uh, <coughs> uh, when the first shoot comes, we have the, uh, the matcha tea plantation have the shelves that hangs the, these uh, uh, shade cloths. Uh-huh. So the covering the, you know, whole plantation and, and the- I cut this 90% over the sunlight. Okay. I want to help. So uh, the first shoots that we're talking about is during the whole winter, the tea bushes are dormant. And then in spring, they shoot out buds, but the buds are leaf buds. They're not flower buds. It's basically like you can imagine three or four little tiny baby tea leaves wrapped up in each other so that the outer leaf will open up and become the first leaf of the branch eventually. So it's the tip of the branch. It's the youngest part of the branch. And uh, it, again, it's dormant all winter, and then when spring comes, is when the young, fresh buds come out. That what Kuni's saying is that at that early spring, when the buds come out, that's when the shade is applied to the bushes. Yes, and uh, about uh, nearly a month. And you see this powder. This is whole part of the leaf. And just uh, we. You know, we shade it and dry it immediately after the uh, the uh, harvest time, mm-hmm. and then uh, we store. Do you steam it then? Yeah, we steam it and dry it. You know, the usually like uh, you know those uh, uh, every kind of the loose leaf, you massage and pound and you know the take low out. Leaf, yeah, yeah. low the leaf. These doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, dry up and make like a chips of the leaves. Oh and take all the stems and even the veins right so just the leaf part mm-hmm. so and then leaf part after uh we age it like a six month and then uh we'll uh uh do the stone milling so this this type of the form comes and i'll make one for you now all right, all right so so uh, Kuni has the, a granite stone mill that he uses to grind matcha like yeah. a la minute. It takes uh, one hour to grind 50 grams. Yeah, well, the, that's mechanical turning, right? Yeah. That by hand, maybe a one cup of tea uh, takes 30 minutes to grind. Wow, one cup. Yeah. So one pound must take like a day. Yeah, I've never done it. But yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. And, and I've been traveling with those, uh, you know, the stone mill that people never seen one before, right? So every uh, uh, stop, I uh, every time I uh, take the airplanes, th- there will be a small slip in my bag that they have opened my bag and they've searched what's in it. And it must be very heavy. Huh? <laughs> it's really heavy one. 
So something like that. You see. The first here. time I ever met Cooney, I, I was I was it was like really really late night in Vegas, <laughs> and we were talking. I, you know, I was like, "Oh, Cooney, yeah," because because Cooney had connected us with our matcha. <laughs> oh man, Cooney, all right, man. Thank you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Cooney had I, I think he had just gotten back from Burning Man. Oh yeah. How yeah. many Burning Mans have you gone to? No, no, this is only once. But oh, really? you know then met this lady you know right no <laughs> i no, went no, this no. year oh really <laughs> oh, yeah, that's were? another old story oh, okay <laughs> maybe five we can stories. share that <laughs> later <laughs> yeah. okay so uh do you have the hot water already okay. yes okay we're at 200 and right. uh, we're at like a so. 96 97 degrees okay thank you okay, yeah. okay. let's make something Frank, while we're doing this, talk a bit about what you're getting from the... Hey, you are way ahead of me. Although, I have... I've, I have Mine's a little little plugged. Uh, but talk a bit about how, how you're doing with that cigar, because... I'm, I'm well, kind of shocked. Is, and also how you get your hands yeah, so steady. This is a Broadway sweeper that I mentioned earlier, uh, from around 1910, maybe into the 1920s. And uh, so the original Shaggy. So, I'm about, uh, I'd say two-thirds the way through it. The ash hasn't fallen off yet. The construction is just wonderful. Um, a lot more spice than I would have ever imagined. In fact, uh, you know, the, the tea, what's interesting to me is after about the third or fourth pour, um, to me, I'm getting more, more edge to it. I'm getting more, more, more tang. Um, it's absolutely transforming. So, and the cigar, very much like a cigar. At the beginning, it's it's mild, and then as you go through it, it's uh, you know you're hitting your stride, and then it starts to build up and and uh, talk to you as the flavors come out. My my, um, my friend Tim says that I think it's a very uh, uh, beautifully put. He says when we pair a tea with a cigar, it's really two ancient plant spirits that are having a conversation, okay. and we're just lucky enough to listen. <laughs> that's that's beautiful, right? <laughs> I really believe that. You know, the flavors of the cigar and the tea are 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 the star of the show, and we're just lucky enough to listen in. You know? Yeah. Now, feel blessed, mm. and to have the company that I've got here, learning and and smoking and uh, just loving it. Great day. So, uh, so, so, Mike, tell us a bit about um, not necessarily matcha specifically, but as a as a novice tea drinker. Should I be doing anything differently when I'm consuming different teas, or maybe they're meant to be sipped differently? Well, or? I mean, you it, it it always helps to aerate the tea lightly when you drink it because that's gonna release the aromatics of the tea and give you the most thorough sense of what the aromatic components are that that tea has to offer. But I think actually this is a good question for Kuni. Is there a uh, a specific technique for how to sip matcha? to get the most flavor possible or is it just drink it just drink it enjoy it that's yeah. the you know the most important part of it you know the the tea uh like some people like uh you know more uh hot water in it or you know they like it more thick you know it's the style of the you know how they like mm. so the find the way of your enjoying <clears throat> find a way of your 
you know, like on tea. Yes. Is the you know the the most important thing. That's I interesting think. though, because like my understanding of Japanese culture is that it's very much focused on rules, yes. on form, on kata. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's like a, a basic Japanese way of thinking, and then training. But uh, I've been here for you know several years, you know, bringing a tea and then you know sharing a moment with a, a, you know new uh, tea friends, then. That's, you know, the most important. Everybody asks the same kind of the question. Mm-hmm. And then what I feel is, uh, you know, the there's a, you know, each human has a sense differently. So they have to be like, you know, each matches of the tea has to be different too. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that. So we have to find our own. Uh-huh. That's the most important, I think. To enjoy is yeah. the key word. Right. I think that, you know, cigar, this one, you know, this, yeah, this, this make me interesting, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. you know, I have to find some, you know, the good match of the tea yeah. with this cigar too, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the fun, so, uh, I mean, Mike, I'll, I'll defer to you here, do you feel like we should wind down and do our shameless plugging, or is, I don't know how much deeper there is to go on, on matcha, well, but is this a good place to break and just kind of enjoy amongst ourselves? And what, what I what I think would be good is if we just if we taste it together okay. on air, so mm-hmm. we can give a sense of our okay. uh, our thoughts of it. Okay, and then uh, and then from there we can wind up. Cool, perfect. And I'm, I mean, from what I'm what I've been drinking of this matcha so far, it's it's a lot meatier. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I mean, with any other tea, you have to remember, like, with any other tea, you'd put the leaf in the water, then you take it out and you drink the water. With Look matcha, w- with matcha, the leaf is ground and you drink the whole leaf when you drink the matcha. Yeah. So it's intense. It's it's definitely meatier. It's definitely got more body. It has about four times the caffeine of any other tea because you drink the whole leaf, you yeah. know? So a tremendous concentration of amino acids, antioxidants, caffeine, L-theanine. Um, Holy moly! Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the color of this. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's just sh- shocking. That's the shade grown. It's outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The color as well. And our Cuban coffee drinking portion of the audience will know what we mean when we say that this tea has epumida. Yeah. This tea actually does have epumida. A crema. Yeah. Well, cre- crema for the sure. for the for the third wave coffee folks. Um, it, because the tea is whisked, uh, you want to get a nice froth uh, on, on the tea, and that's the uh, the epumita. Yeah, yeah. Thank this you for is some, me on this, this is some yeah. kick-ass yeah. stuff here. Yeah, huh? Holy moly! Yeah. It's super mellow. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no bitterness in there. Uh, I think it's exceptional. Yeah, this this tea you're drinking is a single cultivar. Mm. Uh, the the name of the cultivar is called Samidori, and it's really smooth character, has a richness. You know, yeah. uh, it's I I kind of like this one too. Yeah. But the next one I will prepare is uh, it's called Goko. Goko. Yeah, it's Goko is uh, has a uniqueness in it, so we can try it. All right, and sure. Taste the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do that. This would be tremendous with a dab it off. Mm. Yes. From in terms of like a pairing of similar 
profiles let, because of the herbaceousness of this tea. But let me ask you something about Davidoffs in particular. Uh, are they all like uh, natural? No, the, I've never. I don't think I've ever seen a Davidoff Maduro. Is that accurate? I don't know. Yeah, there are Davidoff Maduros, but okay. they're not. They're not known for that. I see. Right, but there are. Okay. There are Maduro for sure. Uh, but the profile of a standard Davidoff, like a classic or a Grand Cru, it pair. It should pair, interestingly, with this tea. Mm. Because they have that good grassiness, right? Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. grassiness in a bad way. I'm saying like savory umami grassiness. Yeah, not and so like I, I think it would sharp. be tremendous with this tea. Cool. I would, I would love to try that. All right, let's mm. get it done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we took a, a quick break. So we are now while that was brewing and being served. So now we're getting into this, uh, to the second matcha. Yeah, it's a different cultivar. So Coco. Go Goko. The first cultivar was Samidori. This one is Goko. So, and to, to give to give you all a, a sense of what we're talking about, cultivar means cultivated varietal. Mm-hmm. So, um, it just like uh, you know, if we compare it to wine again, a Cabernet is one varietal, Pinot Noir is a different varietal, uh, Malbec is a different varietal. It's the same way with tea. There's different strands of the tea bush. So this is one, uh, Samidori was the first one that we had, and um, and this is Goku. Yes, please try. Yeah. yeah. This one is like a more vibrant. It, it like, mm-hmm. a, the last one was mellow. This one like uh, plays with your tongue as though it's going to be bitter, yep. but it doesn't cross into a hard, bitter place. Yeah. I, I it just kind of like, wakes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, small roastiness, nuttiness mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. The it's nuttiness a, I definitely pick mm-hmm. up on. Yeah, it's it's a character of tree itself. Yeah, very yeah. earthy. Mm-hmm. Honduran, like a good classic Honduran cigar. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, in case people couldn't hear, Eric was just pointing out that it it does have an earthiness that's something like what you pick up from a, a classic Honduran cigar, and it's also sort of uh, you know we're talking nuttiness, but it's it's that sort of almost dry like almond like a fresh almond mm-hmm. sort of nuttiness. Absolutely, like an nice. un- unroasted almond. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For this one, I feel like I have to pull out a, a, a serious pre-embargo Cuban, uh, and I pulled out a, a Corona size Cabanas from the the middle of the fifties. And uh, you guys are taking too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric and I are going to fire this sucker yeah. up Cheers. and see whether uh, we need something more serious to stand up to this tea. This tea is shocking. Mm. It is major, major balls. You heard it here first. This matcha is major <laughs> balls. Interestingly enough, when I was in the army screen, shortly, they called me major Sorry. balls. That uh, <laughs> was not in the army. It's stolen. That's actually illegal. Stolen power. <laughs> I thank you all. For your, you missed. You missed the first uh, stolen valor instance on this podcast. When he was in the army, they called wow. him major balls. <laughs> Beautiful. So, this is something special. All right. Never comes in United States. Really? Yes. And it's it's debuting here. Hey man. This this time. Yay. The what we have been drinking is called usucha in the form of the you know the matcha drinking. This time is uh, the koicha. Mm. Koicha make it thick, and then we share the bowl, passing each other. Ah. Only one sip for each. 
Okay, I'll make it. So uh, this kind of a uh, koicha. Koicha. This is like a. I mean, it's such a thick uh, presentation of tea. The tea, like, it looks like sludge. Mm. It's amazing. It's like, uh, I, yeah. it's it's awesome. It's really thick. So really, we're about to yeah. share a bowl of sludge. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's what it. What you're saying is... Bright green, okay. sun, uh, shade-grown uh, sludge. Yeah. <laughs> so, to make this tea, you know, the, if this tea is ground uh, and drinking whole part of the leaf, if it's like too bitter, you cannot swallow it. So the the bitterness come from the photosynthesis, which is the you know the thinning is the umami part of the leaf uh, changes to the uh, form of catechin, which is a tanni, mm. right? Wait, so the thinning turns into uh, the, the catechins. I want to say so uh, thinning for people that aren't familiar with it. There are two main chemical components to the tea bush as far as it's like primary metabolites. We have caffeine and L-theanine. Caffeine is stimulates, uh, just like it does in coffee, but L-theanine helps with focus. And it actually, where caffeine stimulates one hemisphere of the brain, L-theanine stimulates the other. There are very few things in the world that uh, harmonize both hemispheres of the brain. And L-theanine and caffeine in tea is one of them. And because this is the whole tea leaf ground, we're we're getting like a concentrated shot of caffeine and L-theanine together. Uh, that kind of like uh, balances out the brain in a very specific way. And that's all of these matchas have that same component. Yeah. What's different about this? Uh, this one is a <clears throat> special grown and then the selected hand pick that good part only. All the others harvest by the uh, machine like in pelicans or handpicked but take everything right most ja- most one, yeah most japanese green tea is harvested by machine yeah because but, it'll, it's going to get steamed and then it's going to get dried and it, and you know we won't see the the integrity of the pluck at the end of the day anymore. yeah so this is like top 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 end and then the people wants to make this but it's hard to make it and it's only a small portion the 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 castle wars of the tea, the you know, the, in the back end, that this type of the tea in the pottery, like this big, only like this portion, 38 gram. Oh, wow. Very in the center, varied in the, you know, the tea leaves. Uh-huh. And then that's that's the part of the, you know, the koicha. Mm. And then we're going to taste this. And then that, This see. tea is like very easily over $1,000 a pound. Very easily. Over $100 an ounce without a problem. Yeah, like this much. Wow. And this time is very different. And for our listeners, we, we have about a, about a dime-sized drop of water yeah. for about a, t- a teaspoon of matcha powder. And it looks like green paint. <laughs> yeah, green paint. <laughs> yes. I imagine that I was supposed to let that linger for a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> if you all could see the the look that Yami just gave this bowl. Oh wow! It's like a meal. Yeah, exactly. It tastes like a meal. It tastes like a meal. It tastes full amino acid, like big amino acid character, big umami character. Yeah, umami, and it stays. Right? I just got and goosebumps smooth. on that one. Yeah, yeah, and, and what what you just mentioned about how thick. I mean, so people who are listening, what we just each took a sip of. I mean, it really is like a. What would you compare the the texture 
to on this in terms of the thickness. I'm trying to like, what is a good analogy? Like bechamel. To? Yeah, like you just took a big sip of uh, not a big sip, a little. We shared a bowl of bechamel. Yeah. Um, and Super so you're not thick. you're not having much of it, but but again, because of that thick thick texture, it's got such a long finish that you're right. You, you could go through a significant portion of your cigar and still be experiencing that pairing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to drink a eight ounce cup of bechamel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, super thick. That's awesome. Cooney, thanks a lot for sharing, man. Oh, no, this was no, incredible. No. So, um, okay, so we're going to wind down here, and I think we're just going to jump to our all of our shameless plugging. So we'll start with, uh, with Frank and move our way back this way until we uh, berate you with cigar snob URLs and things. But, Frank, uh, go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug. Any URLs, any business names, any places, whatever. Well, I'm kind of undercover for the most part, but uh, there's a, there's a growing growing awareness of just how cool the kinds of things that we're doing uh, are. And we've got five guys here, and we're all smiling, all digging it, and uh, we're all blessed. Uh, keep uh, keep your eyes open for uh, and ears open for articles as uh, as people become more and more aware of what's going on. Uh, there's just a a great article, must be 50 pages long, all about what uh, Mike Mike is doing here with with his teas, and uh, the boys here at Cigar Snob have uh, have written some amazing articles about just how cool all this stuff is. It's uh, becoming a lost, or it's a lost art that's becoming uh, a little bit more known, which is uh, a really cool thing. Absolutely. Keep up the good work, man. Oh, thank you. Don't don't pretend you read it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's great to hear. And and again, you're you you were a a, a character in one of those stories, which was yeah. cool. And so, I continue to be. And you continue <laughs> to be. The uh, the Baruti chronicles continue. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, and and I, and I and I also want to say, Frank, man, thank you for everything. Your generosity has been legendary. Thanks so much for bringing this. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks for you know, for, for helping me out personally. And, uh, you know, I appreciate this a whole lot. My absolute pleasure. It's, uh, it's very worthwhile when, when somebody gets it. And, awesome. uh, I think everybody here gets it, which, yeah. which is why we're at this workshop. Awesome. It's a good one. Awesome. So, uh, Cooney, is there anything you. that you want to let listeners know about some place oh. that you want them to go or websites or anything? Well, uh, we're kind of, you know, like, uh, experimental things. Uh, and then they try and the younger farmers to, uh, built the you know the new style of the uh, tea and then, uh, also the farmers like uh, they have to keep up otherwise the the you know the farmers in Japan are getting really old so younger farmer to cheer up and you know my, I want to share this moment with the farmers I have to exactly inform this mm-hmm. you know what's what's happening over here yeah and I really like this, you know, the cigar marching with it, you know, tea and, you know, this really works and, you know, nobody have done it, you mm-hmm. know, in Japan is a kind of shame. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's okay. change that. Yeah. 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 Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can try, you can try Kuni's matcha at Panther Coffee uh, in Miami. You can try it at Panther Coffee. You can try it at Madruga Bakery. If you're listening from uh, outside of Miami, if you go to Sip Jojo, this is I guess this yeah, is my you're into your plugs. plug. Uh, but our company is called Jojo Tea, and our website is Sip Jojo, 
like to take a sip of Jojo tea. That's J-O-J-O. Yeah. So S-I-P-J-O-J-O.com. There, our organic matcha is uh, is Kuni's. Uh, so uh, if you want to taste Kuni's matcha, you can order it from SipJojo.com. Or you can have it at, at, as a matcha latte at uh, Panther Coffee and at Madruga Bakery. Good stuff. And um, so before I get into our shameless plugs, I want to thank... <laughs> Everybody involved here, because this was a lot more than we uh, bargained for coming into work today. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, apologies to Petey the dog, who could not be here to uh, to enjoy any of this. Normally, Petey the dog is present here in the office, and I'm sure he'll hear this episode. He's sitting at home thinking, They've taken me to that office every day for the last two weeks, and now I'm here listening to matcha instead of licking it off that bowl. Um so uh, you can find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Uh, social media, all the things, Cigar Snob Mag. Uh, you can subscribe to Cigar Snob Magazine for $18 a year. That's not that many dollars. That's amazing. Six issues, 18 bucks a year. Say that again. That's amazing. That, no, really, that's amazing. Like, uh, I, I, have, I have every issue of Cigar Snob since I started uh, smoking cigars at home. And I go back to it often, especially the the cigar of the year issue. Like I, that, that's like a treasure trove of information that can like get you really uh, grounded in uh, you know what what you'll see if you walk into a cigar shop and how to how to spot out the stuff that you won't be disappointed by. You know, and there's stuff on there that's fifteen dollars, eleven dollars a stick. You don't feel like you have to sm- spend fifty bucks to you know to try something nice. So that's I, what five cents a day. Yeah, for five cents a day, you can support one Miamian <laughs> cigar editor, editor. Gotta love that. <laughs> um, that's, when, that's when we saw a picture of Nick. But is he do, you, you, wait, don't you want to get this boy a tortilla pañol or something? Don't you want to get this? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, t- uh, pay attention. Take notes, cigar industry. I think this tea guy just gave the best cigar snob plug we've ever had on this podcast. Uh, that was a tremendous testimonial. Thank you hey, for it's that. It's the truth, man. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say, because you didn't drop a mention of this, if people go to sipjojo.com, they can arrange a tasting, which oh, is, I, I have recommended that experience to a lot of people. Uh, and it's, uh, again, it's a thing that people don't, you know, it's foreign to a lot of people, but I would say take it from, from us. This is a, it's, it's an incredible experience, especially if you appreciate all of the process of cigars. Uh, it, any cigar nerd would love this tea thing, regardless of whether you've had a million or zero cups of tea. Thank you, man. What we, uh, the, what we do there is we kind of explore the question of what is tea. And uh, we taste, you know, we'll go through tasting every major category. What is white tea? What is green tea? What is oolong tea? What is black tea? What is poor? What are aged teas? What are fermented teas? And uh, the goal is that by the end of the tasting, you just have a better understanding of, uh, of tea. And it's on the third floor of a medical building. It's absolutely hidden. Nobody's going to come in and interrupt to ask what the Wi-Fi password is or where their sandwich is or anything like that. There's only six seats in there. So, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on creating an intimate setting where you can really go deep into tea and you can put your phone down for a minute and and not worry about getting interrupted, you know? All right. And so with that, again, thanks to everybody. Thanks to Mike for for just coming along and bringing tea and being all Mikey. Hey man, uh, I, and 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 I and I brought all my rowdy friends and all your rowdy <laughs> friends. Thanks to Cooney. Thanks to Cooney for this, Thank which you. is a, a super different experience. Awesome. And of course, thanks Frank for these cigars, which again, like, 
uh, I was gonna say once in a lifetime, but somehow I've been lucky enough to do this multiple times in a lifetime with Frank. So this is this is super cool. We're all blessed, and thanks for having us. All right. Absolutely excellent experience for yeah. all of us. All right. So thanks with that, this has been the Cigar Snob Podcast. Uh, catch us next time when we will be back to cafecito and, and cigars from our own humidor. Thanks.